It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily podcast on the Minnesota Timberwolves, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, to another Lockdown Wolves podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. As always, your host here, Colt Molesky, and joined by Dane Moore today. He is fresh off the road. He was with Tim Fakeless in Cleveland and Chicago, traveling with the Timberwolves, and then they were back here uh, playing the Kings the other night. And they've they've had a rough go of it the last few games. They've had some tight ones. Uh, uh, a couple situations, again, where they played, I feel, down uh, against some poor competition in Chicago and Sacramento. Uh, and they got the win against the Kings, an unfortunate loss versus Chicago. We'll get into all that. But first, Dave Moore, thanks for joining the show. Yeah, man, thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's been an interesting week, I guess, for, for the Timberwolves. This is, maybe is this the worst run of three games of the whole year? I I would feel comfortable saying so just because Cleveland, it happened before the trade. That's still a down team. Uh, you hope that they can beat Cleveland before the – now they look pretty good, but before they made all the moves at the trade deadline, you hope that they can uh, they can beat that Cleveland team. And then Chicago, obviously we know how they have played, and they were able to get the – the win the Bulls were over the Timberwolves without Chris Dunn, uh, one of their primary playmakers, and then they almost blow it against the Sacramento Kings, another team that's been pretty abysmal this season. Uh, all really rough, really rough showings for the Timberwolves. What have you made of this last? You've been around the team for you've traveled with them. You've been around the team the last uh, few, the last about a week now. What what's the sense you get from the team? Are are they just in a funk, or are these just a couple of games where teams really got up against them? What's going on? Yeah, I would say that that Kings game has to be has to be shocking. Just I think anybody who watched that there was a there was a lack of energy from Jimmy Butler through kind of the the whole bench. They just they weren't energized, and I would say that that is a product of how they played in Cleveland and Chicago, or the result of the way in which they played. Um, it was it was eerie in both of those locker rooms after after the game, um, just kind of silence. And after any loss, it's it's quiet. But but really, the the Cleveland loss hurt because it's an overtime buzzer beater, and it was it was a game that slipped away because the Wolves didn't execute down the stretch. And then obviously that Chicago game has some some extra value in it too, and and they they blew that there too. So the team was just the team came off that road trip just really really devastated and i don't know drain it, it it had to have been draining i don't know we they're they're normal humans too it's a sunday night they wanted to like be home and like watching netflix or something and uh they had to go play basketball that that's what it that's what it looked like to me but i i do really think it was a it was a product of that trip and and just some some natural fatigue no yeah and you you mentioned it, but the the way they lost to Cleveland too, those are harder to bounce back from than I think people realize. 
I wanted to get into a little bit of the Bulls game, a little bit of the Kings game. I also wanted to get your take on the deadline just because so much activity happened. Uh, it was a really exciting deadline, a really fun time to be on Twitter as well and be part of uh, the Twitter, the NBA Twitter, and uh, to be following everything. It was it was a fun trade deadline. I want to get into all of that. Uh, first things first, monster game from Zach Levine. Uh, and I actually talked to the, with a number of people about this, and I've been defending Wiggins for what has it been three days now. Uh, a lot of people after that after that game have t- talked to me and said, "So, would you take Levine? Would you put Wiggins in the the Butler trade and keep Levine?" And I think that's an instant reaction to uh, the game. Uh, but I did want to pose it to you. Uh, does it look like they the the Timberwolves are a little hasty in getting rid of Levine. I'm not saying that they should have gotten rid of Wiggins, but I'm just saying on its face, does it look like they are a little hasty getting rid of Levine? No. See, I, this, is, this is what I said. Back me up here. Go ahead. Levine is always going to have electric, exciting, offensive games. He's always going to have those, but he also has down games he has games where he's missing shots he cost the Timberwolves a lot of games uh the last season in the fourth quarter because he wanted to take all the shots he hurt their offense in the fourth quarter they're a better fourth quarter team offensively when he was injured for that stretch last season than when he was healthy and Wiggins is going to be I think Wiggins is always going to be the better defender if Wiggins can continue to improve on the progress that he's made this season He's always going to be the better defender than Levine. And so you're just giving up some explosive games. And he had a great game against the Timberwolves because there was a little bit of that revenge factor. But this is not the consistent player that you want, especially if you're trying to actually build a team that's going to be a playoff contending team with Butler and with Towns. So I I would definitely keep Wiggins. I would definitely say that it's an instant reaction to Levine's big game as opposed to the right decision to stick with Levine. That said, he's a really fun player to watch. So I understand some fans not wanting to see him go, but this was the move to make, especially because it got you Jimmy Butler. I think the, I I'm with you and I, it's, it's really, for me, it comes down to Zach Levine and I don't know if we'll ever be able to do anything on defense except for be one of the very worst. And I think we've, <laughs> we've seen Andrew Wiggins, uh, progress to some degree on that end but i i do think there are there are reasons to consider zach levine i I guess i wouldn't say that that's totally uh ridiculous and i think those those advantages might be his uh mental makeup with zach levine i think we've we've seen that's very different than andrew wiggins i mean if you watched the game against the kings last night andrew wiggins was i mean it, it, it was different than a game against the cleveland cavaliers or toronto raptors put it like that and I, I think he's, with Zach Levine, you have a player who is, um, you know, just has a much more of a love for the game. And I, I do think that that's important. I, and not necessarily to take away from Wiggins, but, but Levine more so. And maybe that, that helps foster greater development for him. Uh, the one thing is just like the seller cap dorky thing, but I, you wouldn't have had to give Zach Levine a maximum contract extension like you did to Andrew Wiggins, who's now going to be making close to $30 million a year for the next five years. Zach Levine didn't, didn't sign a contract extension this summer because his, cause he tore his ACL. And now he's going into this summer as a restricted free agent. 
And, you know, I, I hit the contract he signs will probably be worth half as much as Andrew Wiggins. I would guess he probably signs for around maybe $15 million a year. Uh, you look, I guess he's young, but this Lou Williams contract kind of sets a little bit of precedence, and he signed, signed a three-year, $24 million contract. Yeah, he's a lot older than Zach Levine, but but this market is really going to be crunched, and the Wiggins contract was already an overpay, and now with the way that the the market seems to be correcting itself, I think that's gonna that that deal starts to stick out even worse, and and so I think you could frame an argument to say that having Zach Levine as the third player alongside Townsend Butler makes sense, not even because he's a better player, but because he will have a a, a much smaller contract going for, which could in in theory leave the team some more options so as to add a fourth piece because right now with the the way the Wolves are going to have to move going forward, it's going to be Carl Towns, Jimmy Butler, Andrew Wiggins, if Butler resigns for, for max contracts. And then you're going to be filling in with pretty much veteran minimums and uh, mid-level exception type players, which is, is really thin. And it would have been a little bit different if it, Zach Levine was here. Here's the ultimate bottom line, uh, it, it doesn't have anything to do with these two players really, is that the Timberwolves were everybody except Towns and Wiggins was on the trading block, and to get Jimmy Butler, uh, as long as you don't trade away the franchise, which would have been Towns, you, you give them pretty much whatever they want. So they wanted Levine, they wanted Chris Dunn, you're fine giving up those guys as long as it's not your two franchise guys and Wiggins and Towns, and you do what you got to do to get a guy like Jimmy Butler. That's the bottom line. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> that's not how I think about it, but but I, I, I get what you're I get what you're saying, and uh, I don't he's know, a I superstar. He's I, a superstar who plays two way basketball, yeah. and you oh, you, you, you secured it. Yeah, I think I, I I don't think it was a bad trade at all. I guess those are kind of different questions to me. Whether you're looking at Andrew Wiggins or or Zach Levine specifically, or if you're looking at the trade as a whole, I didn't think we were looking at the trade as a whole. The trade as a whole is a coup for the Wolves. Because they have Jimmy Butler and yep. are having a very good season with Jimmy Butler, he's completely changed the culture. So it, it's a it's a win, and it would the trade would still be a win if it was Andrew Wiggins instead of Zach Levine. Is what I is what I guess I I'm saying. Uh, no, yeah, but, I think Jimmy Butler changes the the franchise either way, and, but it was just clear that Minnesota didn't want to trade Towns or Wiggins, so. Everybody else was kind of up for grabs at that point for Minnesota, so it makes sense why they why they let him go. Uh, and I I still like Wiggins in in this scenario, and I still like him on the Timberwolves. Uh, going out to the the entire game, uh, the Timberwolves got in a little bit of a back and forth battle late in this one. Uh, what what was your takeaways just from the loss to Chicago? Very tight game late. Uh, it came down right to the wire. Was, is it disappointing for this team to to lose to Chicago, even though they're off the the game uh, against Cleveland and off a, a tight loss to Cleveland? And you talk about fatigue. Is it still disappointing in the end at the end of the day to lose to Chicago the way they did? Oh yeah, that was that was one of the most frustrating you know ex- games from an execution standpoint I've seen. I think they got up to a seventeen point lead in the third quarter, and then it was it was the classic one team's trying harder than the other, and mm-hmm. I mean the. From from loose balls to rebounds, the Bulls just kind of, you know, they didn't uh, they didn't quote unquote give up. And 
One one thing that Taj Gibson's kind of been saying every time after these games when the Wolves have, the, now the numerous times the Wolves have blown out or have, have had a 20-point lead and then blown the lead, is he's like, we don't have this ability to, like, step on their step on the opponent's necks. They they tend to get uh, they tend to get comfortable, and or we tend to get comfortable. This is Gibson talking, and it kind of it kind of lets the other team back into the game. And then sometimes the wolves still close it out, but then sometimes they let them back in the game, and it's a you know it's a new game at that point. And it was interesting. I was watching the the Toronto Raptors and Charlotte Hornets uh, yesterday afternoon, and it was kind of the same thing. It was like a, the Raptors are up by are up by 15 in the third quarter against Charlotte. Not a very good team. And I was like, huh, I've seen the Wolves in this situation many times. And then, and then I see the Wolves nose dive from there. But, <sighs> but the, the, the Toronto Raptors, like, they just stayed on for like three more minutes and blew it up to a 25 point lead. And it's like the Wolves don't have that. Like, they don't, they don't, uh, they don't see blood in the water and like, and, and jump on it. It's, it's kind of when they get these leads, they tend to get, uh, they tend to get comfortable. And, and I think you definitely saw that against, uh, Against Chicago on on Friday night, and then then the end of game is just getting it's getting really frustrating how how Jimmy Butler centric it is. And I know that there I know that there were these games at the beginning of the year where Butler was was kind of carrying the team down the stretch. You think about that one Oklahoma City game, but but the opponent seems to know that okay, there's a, under a minute left. Jimmy Butler's shooting it here, or this all runs through Jimmy Butler and. Carl Anthony Towns is just being like it's it's male practice how much how few he's how few touches he's getting like whether it's the end of the game or just throughout the game he's not he's not shooting enough right? he's, this yeah. is a this is one of the most dynamic offensive big men in the league and they they uh, they're not finding not finding ways to go through him and I understand a, a big guy it's harder to particularly under a minute to kind of find ways in which to. To feed him, you can't just really isolate him. You can't just be like, "All right, one four low, pick and roll for Towns." Like, no, Towns isn't a ball handler. Like, you got to find a way to give it to him. But I would just like the offense to a lot more frequently just start with a high ball screen where Towns comes up and sets one for Butler or sets one for Jeff Teague because then he's a then he's guaranteed to be in the play. And every time he can he can pop off that and something can happen, he can get more touches it's just it's getting it's getting ridiculous how how hard how difficult it's become to to feed to feed towns in the post and tib says like before and after for every game when whenever he's asked about carl's few touches he's like the game dictates your shots the game dictates your shots if you double team you got to pass out of it and that's not even what i i see happening is the issue it's like they're not even giving him the ball in the first place they're not even giving him the ball in the oppor- to have the opportunity to be double teamed he's just clearly not even like the second option on this on this team and well you think too, I don't know. with how athletic he is just you mentioned it just simply a pick and roll with Butler and Towns where Towns picks it uh, picks somebody and then That's he just rolls right to play. the basket you yeah. think you think that would be money at least 8 times a game by itself you would think and that's how many hey. shots he took total okay. against Chicago counterfactual here so the Wolves have been pretty awful lately, right? They're they're they were five and eight going into that Sacramento game, not six and eight in their last fourteen. They have the 29th defense over that chunk of time. It's been their worst. It's been their worst like fourteen, fifteen game run of the year. 
Mm-hmm. There's 29th in defense. It's really bad. But you know that the Wolves are second in offense over that time? They're, they're the leanest stretch of the entire year. They're still second in offense. So I need I find myself get, having these frustrations or seeing things happening and such. And then I'm like, well, you know, at the end of the day, they're, they're scoring at a very high rate. So maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I guess I, it, 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 it's, it's possible that I'm wrong, but it, it, it's hard to watch a game and see a player like as, as offensively skilled as Carl Towns and have him not seeming from the eye test to be as involved as would make sense. Yeah. It, well, and the other thing, too, that I took away from this game is Teague was not the better point guard out there, and Grant was the other point guard, which is a big oh. problem. Which is a big – we don't have time to get into it right now, but that's a big problem because we got to talk about the Sacramento game. But that, that, yeah. was, a, that was a big problem. Uh, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors before we break down the Sacramento Kings game against the Timberwolves. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league – helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. They did. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't necessarily the game you want to see the Timberwolves play against Sacramento, a team down as down as Sacramento, but they did win against Sacramento the other day. Uh, a 111-106 Timberwolves win at home. Was this just kind of almost a desperation? We have to beat this team, so we we did what we had to do, and now we got out of this awful stretch. Hopefully we can reboot. Or do you hope that this was a win that could turn things around? It didn't seem like this was one of those wins. It seems like they got out of a rough stretch with a, a tight win against a bad team, and now hopefully they can reset here. I We, we just got to start this whole conversation with understanding the concept that the Sacramento Kings team is not only the worst team in the NBA, it's one of the worst basketball teams in the NBA probably over the past five years. <laughs> I, they, they looked somewhat capable in, in that game, uh, but, but watching Sacramento play is a, is a train wreck. Uh, if you were listening or watching the broadcast uh, uh, on the game last night, quickly after the Kings' first bucket and. Bogdan Bogdanovich got their bucket, and and Jim Peterson goes, "That's their best player." Uh, and <laughs> rough. That's a, that's a that's a red flag. I <laughs> I like Bogdanovich. Uh, he's maybe like the eighth best rookie in the league this year. So that's that's great, but it's not good if the eighth best rookie in the league is your best player. And Sacramento has the worst offense in the league and the second worst defense in the league. Uh, those type of teams don't come come through often <laughs> in in the NBA, and then so to play them at home is 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 a game you got to take take care of business in. And at the end of the day, the Wolves did they they won the game, but it, it does it, it does really feel like we're getting to this point that the the Wolves look at who the team is on the schedule and they play differently. Even whatever the the narrative around that team is, that can be good when they're playing the very good teams. So maybe Tuesday against Houston, 
there's a little more energy, but this is this Wolves team is clearly playing up and down to to the competition or the narrative of the game. Mm-hmm. And two, you talked about the the Timberwolves defense earlier. A hundred and six points to the Sacramento Kings. That I think that just speaks more to the effort that they're putting forward. I think that they just know that their offense is good enough to beat a team like the Kings, and so they don't really worry as much uh, about the the defensive effort that they're put forth, especially in the second half of the game. And that's it's not a great sign for a team you hope can do things in the playoffs. Absolutely, yeah. And I, you just defensively, you can't be getting taken advantage of by Costa Kufis. And, and I mean, there's just these very average players that are, are you know, coming out and, and really competing. And, you know, to Kufis' credit, he played hard. And, and, and De'Aaron Vox played hard. But, again, He's the pride of the like, Buckeyes, after all. <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the grand scheme of the NBA, these are below-average players. Yeah, and you know, and you you, you got to kind of square those guys up and say you're not going to beat me. And uh, I know that's a very like simplistic mindset, but they're just there just isn't that night in night out focus. And I, I I found it very frustrating in that again in that third quarter seemed really lean, and you just had you just had Costa Coopas doing work and that like grabbing rebounds over Andrew Wiggins because Wiggins didn't box out. And, you know, and getting buckets. Bogdanovich, De'Aaron Fox. I mean... De'Aaron Fox just, looked like a stud on offense, and he has struggled mightily on that side of the floor. Yes, and, and this is, like, somewhat tangential. But he he is such a bizarre player. Like, yeah. where you will... He'll have the one amazing possession followed by two out-of-control possessions. Amazing. I mean, I do... I. I know maybe in overall for the season, Darren Fox hasn't had a, a great year, but I, I do I do like that player. No, I definitely do as well, especially because I think that he could be a really great point guard defense. Because so many point guards you see, they're amazing on offense, but I think he could be really special on the defensive side. I was just – he's one of those guys when I watch him play, I really wish he had ended up on the Spurs. Just to see what what pop could, because with that defense, I and with the the shot doctors that they have in San Antonio, I think they could help him with his shot, and I think that pop could put him in a real position where his defense is pretty lethal, just like uh, just like Murray for their team, how they have made him uh, look really great on defense. I think that they could really do some fun things with De'Aaron Fox's defense, and I think they could fix his his shooting. Did you watch Colton? Did you watch the Warriors Spurs game on uh, Saturday night? I did not, unfortunately. It, it is well, uh, you know, the Spurs. I, I don't want to say the, the Wolves are in the class of the Spurs, but the, that's the next team ahead of them in the standings, uh, of course. And that team is has been just ravished by injuries and is playing. They're basically playing Sacramento Kings type players around, like Lamarcus Aldridge. And it that that team is consistently amazing for how 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 well they can compete given the lack of talent that the Spurs have. Uh, the Wolves are like multiple levels of talent ahead of the San Antonio Spurs. Like it's it's not close. And uh, without Kawhi, I'm talking about without Kawhi. Yep, but yep. you know you would you would like to think that this this Wolves team. 
you know, if we wouldn't have had the past couple of weeks, could have really, if they would have stayed on that path that they were on the, the previous month, really had made some noise and, and gone for the, the third seed. This, the, the, the Spurs team is, while they're great, they have a great coach and they're, they're, they execute well, they did seem like they could fall to the, the four seed and the Wolves could jump on the three seed, but I don't know. Now, now the Wolves, like, uh, this is negative, but you, you look at the standings and the, the Pelicans, who are the ninth seed out of the playoffs, only have two more losses than the Wolves. I'm not suggesting the Wolves are falling out of the playoffs because, again, I think they have the talent. The offense has been good. Mm-hmm. But more of these lackadaisical effort games and we're talking about falling down to maybe the sixth seed seventh seed like that that's dangerous that's they're not beating the rockets they might not even get a win in the playoffs as they play against the rockets so they really they, they really it's time to stabilize well and let's just remember if oklahoma city somehow stabilizes and they've played up and down all year long if they can somehow find some sort of balance they're only a few games behind the Timberwolves, and they're they're right there waiting to pounce as well. So it's not just teams like New Orleans or Denver that you have to worry about. Teams that are, mm-hmm. have been struggling or have injuries. Like Oklahoma City is just a few games away from really jumping on the Timberwolves and, and knocking them out of that fourth spot, and that's not out of out of the realm of possibility at, by any stretch. No, I that's that team scares me particularly in a playoff matchup with the Wolves, and I'm sure you and I have, have talked about that before, but I, that would be not a good matchup for the Wolves if that was like the 4-5 uh, matchup, if the Wolves yeah. could somehow evade the Thunder. Uh, that would be good. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Thunder rattle off like eight or nine straight wins at some point here before uh, the you know before the season ends. And if that happens at the same time as the Wolves even go 500, go like 4-4, four and 5-5 four, five and five or something, that they they could definitely you know pass up the the wolves here and i think that might be that might be the difference in the 4 or 5 matchup is who if it is the wolves and the thunder who who has has home court advantage uh would be would be would be huge there oh, and yeah. nine, speaking of nine game winning streaks don't sleep on the utah jazz man those guys those guys might eke their way into the playoffs too <laughs> shout out to ricky rubio who's doing things um <laughs> I, uh, After they traded away yeah, some pieces, mm-hmm. and they're they're gonna, you know what, Derek? They they should have just uh, kept Derek Rose. They could have been just driven into the playoffs by the shoe salesman. <sighs> oh God, Your Honor, should we talk about that? <laughs> we'll, we'll get that, to, we'll get to the trades uh, after our second break here. Uh, all I can say about the Timberwolves right now is that All Star break cannot come soon enough. Mm-hmm. It cannot yeah, come and, soon and you know enough. What? Maybe that's what they need. Maybe they just need a little bit of a break here. They got Houston at home. They got the Lakers at home. You know, if if, if they could somehow beat the Rockets, and then they should beat the Lakers uh, at at home. Uh, that I just want them to beat the Lakers. Massive. Yeah, just the Lakers. They're not just, beating the Rockets. Just beat the Lakers, please. Just yeah, beat the right, Lakers right. by 20 points. Get to the All-Star break. Reboot during the All-Star break. Uh, that that's what I'm really hoping for. I'm just really hoping that this is a young team that has gone through a ton of change and gone through a lot of culture stuff uh, that's been different in the last year. A lot of a lot of change, a lot of turnover in the roster, and they just need a little bit of a reboot in the middle of the season here. And I'm hoping that they can come out strong after the All Star break. Uh, we're going to go to a second break, and then we're going to talk about some of the stuff that happened 
for the trade deadline over the weekend. Uh, it wasn't just basketball on the court stuff. There was a lot of exciting stuff that happened at the trade deadline. We'll get to that after their sponsors. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Cleveland Cavaliers have mustered a whole new roster pretty much, and I really like the moves they made. I really liked a lot of the stuff happening around the trade deadline. I want to hear first, though, Dane, what were your some of your instant reactions to the things happening on the trade deadline? Well, okay, so uh, are we are we looking at it as a move by move thing or as Just a whole? Because I over- think as a whole, yeah, right. As a whole, it was good. Yeah, when you look after the trade deadline was done and you just look at the day that we had, what was the reaction to that? I, I mean, I I thought the the Cavs had a great had a great trade deadline. I think some people will would nitpick at the giving up the first round pick to to take back Larry Nance and and Jordan Clarkson, particularly when you give when you see Jordan Clarkson makes $13 million next year and $14 million the year after that, in my opinion, he's probably like a $10 million a year type of player. Um, but but Larry, Nance is, Larry Nance is on a, on a rookie-scale contract, and so I think the price of getting Larry Nance was, was a first-round pick, and, and they got him. And, and really, at the end of the day, what this team needed was to – needed a shake-up. I know that's like a kind of a blanket statement, but – they looked shook, shook it up, <laughs> and uh, they, against the Celtics, that was really impressive. I think to get back Rodney Hood, um, just for Jay Crowder, essentially, that is, was a great get. Yeah, I mean, I it, you want to talk about it from the Wolves' perspective? I wish the, the Wolves could have some like what the price that Hood got given up for. I would have loved to see the the Wolves have have made a move to to have Hood be on that same role on the the Wolves, but. Yeah, this this Cavs team is different, and I don't want to overreact to one game against the Celtics. Mm-hmm. But but you got to think that that the, the the Cavs had no like connectivity prior to the trade, and so a lot of people are like, well, you know, it's going to take a it's going to take a while for these new guys to learn how to play together. Well, the old guys didn't know how to play together, so <laughs> that was gonna that was gonna happen no matter what. So uh, yeah, I, I think. Um, I'm going to be on like permanent league pass alert for Cavs games. I'm really, I'm really interested to to watch that team play because I think you know even before the trade deadline for me it was I was pretty firmly in the boat that I think the the Raptors were the best team in the Eastern Conference and thought that they not only will would get the the one seed in the East but uh, would make would win the East uh, and and go represent the East in the NBA Finals and now it's it's really close. Um, I think I, I could I could see it being the Cavs, Celtics, or the Raptors all coming out of the East, and I think the playoffs are going to be fun uh, in the in the Eastern Conference. You can't you can't ever sleep on the, a LeBron led team. He's the best player on any of those teams, of course. Uh, but if the rest of those dudes can can you know insulate LeBron, then that Cavs team has to has to become the favorite. 
But but like, I don't know. I the, the Raptors have just been so slept on this season, and I mm-hmm. think they they are uh, they're terrific. I, I I love I love watching that team play. It reminds me of uh, reminds me of the Spurs the year they most recently won the championship. I'm not suggesting the Raptors are going to win the championship, but just the the way that they go like ten deep of of guys and they don't they don't lose they don't lose a beat. I, I think that Raptors team is still in my mind ahead of this Cavs team. I need a little bit more information on the Cavs, though. Yeah, and that I had uh, a buddy text me uh, if the Cavs were the number one seed after they beat the the Celtics, and that was my response too: is Are we really just going to forget about the Raptors? They've been decimating teams this season, and they have looked really good, and they're a really deep roster. And but that said, I did really like the moves that the Cavs made. I thought everybody and their mother knew that they were going to go for George Hill. I really liked that they were able to pick up some guys, uh, Nance and Clarkson. I was really surprised they got Rodney Hood. I, I love that get for them. I love Rodney Hood as a, a role player and somebody to slide in, especially with the way he's had some great games shooting from outside. I thought for sure that was a guy that somebody like the Wizards would go for, especially with John Wall out. And so for the the Cavs to get him, I thought that was a – a really big get for them. What did you think of two three-team deals in the same day as well? That was pretty impressive. No trade deadline is the trade deadline is the best day. It is <laughs> that it and the really first is. day, the first day of free agency. If you love the NBA, like those two days, you just got to You got to take those days off of work and just uh, constantly be refreshing, like Woj and Shams's page. And it's uh, <clears throat> if you love the. If you love the fantasy basketball element of the of the NBA, it's 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 so fun, and I think a lot of people rip on the Cavs, but man, the Cavs make the NBA fun, and particularly at the at the deadlines, they they make it interesting. And uh, you know, I, I had a blast living on living on Twitter that day, and kind of just mm-hmm. waiting for the next shoe yep. to drop constantly. It's yep. uh, it's fun. This is this is not related to the trade deadline, but this news just broke that. Uh, um, the Timberwolves have recalled Justin Patton to be up with the with the big club, and I think that'll be interesting. Kind of going forward, I don't, <clears throat> I wouldn't think he would be in the rotation, but to have him with the team is maybe that implies he could get some minutes. I'm I'm not sure. That'll be interesting to talk to Tibbs about at practice today. I'm a big Patton fan, so I would I would love to see him start to get a, a couple minutes. I I think that he. But could where? Be- I I have no yeah I have no idea. Hopefully, it's in a blowout game to the to the Lakers. Yeah. Okay. Hopefully, hopefully that's the case where he can just get a ton of a ton of minutes because they're winning by like twenty points against the Lakers. But uh, other than that, I don't know how he could get any minutes. Uh, What did you think of Emmanuel Mudiay going to the the Knicks? Yeah, I think that was interesting. I mean, what were the Grizzlies doing? They could have got him or anything. That it was or get was anything weird. for Tyreek Evans. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, I didn't watch that Moutier's first game, but kind of saw some some clips and stats, and seemed like he was impactful. Kind of the maybe the classic guy that needed a a new opportunity, and he'll have that there. And particularly the Knicks not having. Uh, Porzingis will give him a, a little bit uh, more of an an opportunity to, to carry a, a higher a higher usage. But yeah, I mean, those guys, he's 21 years old, like plenty of time to to define himself still in the league. And and yeah, the Knicks give him an opportunity. 
It, they definitely need to move on from Jack as the guy who was their scorer for Frankie <laughs> Smokes being just the defensive point guard. That was yeah. never going to work long term. Absolutely, yeah. They, <laughs> I don't know that that team still remains pretty messy, but uh, but yeah, no, it's a. Uh, it was it was good to good to see Moutier. It was a to be a point guard moved at the deadline. Um, the real point guard that I'm scared that was moved at the deadline though is is Derek Rose, who was oh, moved gosh. to the Jazz and, please, and cut. Please, Timberwolves, don't don't do it, please. So Just that'll be at he is eligible to be signed somewhere at 4 p.m. Central Time today. So maybe by the, the time somebody's listening to this podcast, Derek Rose could very well um, be headed headed towards Minnesota. And, you know, I, I, I try and not label things as totally bad or totally good. I think sometimes we can overreact to some narratives around the Timberwolves. I think, like, maybe say, say the minute distribution at the beginning of the year playing the starters too much, you know, that kind of, like, in like spurred a fire, but I think it kind of proved that they were that that was a product of some injuries and Shabazz leaving the rotation. And what I mean by that is it was like explainable to some extent and kind of stabilized once the elites that came back. This I just I if Derrick Rose is traded for, I, I I can't really find positives in in why that would be because it's going to take away from Tyus Jones and maybe Jeff Teague, and those are just at this point really seem to be two better point guards than than Derrick Rose. If Rose came in and he was just Aaron Brooks, you know, the, the third point guard on the bench, sure. And maybe he he could step in if somebody was injured or foul trouble or something like that. I guess I'd be fine. But my fear is that he'll be signed and immediately start getting minutes. And I, I, don't, I don't know how Derrick Rose minutes can be better than Jeff Teague or Tyus Jones minutes. That was a very calm, measured response, and uh, you know, I well, appreciate. I've, I've I, had a, I've had some time to like chill out a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate but, you being a measured professional. I'm not going to be a measured professional because I've thought about this, and it still makes me upset that this is a possibility. the The biggest problems that people have with the team that has been built and is taking the floor right now is that they were worried about shooting. They were worried about how everybody would get enough shots. Then there was complaints uh, that. Teague was was getting too many minutes over Tyus Jones, or that Tyus Jones was stealing minutes from Teague. Then there's complaints that Towns isn't getting enough shots. Towns needs to have more shots. And now you want to throw in a guy who is definitely going to need more shooting to make himself effective, not to mention that he's not exceptionally great at anything defensively. And throw into that, this is a guy that left his team twice. Twice he left two different teams just without giving any explanation to the team. He just left the team in the middle of a season to go take care of stuff that he deemed more important than his job, which is basketball. And now you want to put him on the team with Butler, who has already been running guys like Towns over the coals in the beginning of the season because they weren't playing defense. You want to throw that guy in the locker room and have him taking away more shots? What is Towns going to shoot like three times a game if he gets signed by if they signed Derrick Rose? What were you be why would why would they ever do this? There's no reason for this. Even if Teague I mean, gets an ACL injury today in practice, you still start Tyus and you don't sign Derrick Rose. I yeah, you know I, I it's 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 hard to argue. It's I, I, the bull. It's it's the bulls angle and it's the having played for Tibbs angle. 
Oh gosh! Air if that gets him on this team, I'm. You're gonna have to find me for tomorrow's show. I don't know where I'll be, <laughs> but come find me, Dane, please, because I'm gonna. Yeah, need it, it. Um, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be messy, I guess. Uh, and then, and this is me like reaching for things, trying to trying to grab <laughs> something positive. But we, you look at what the other quote unquote Tibbs guys have have brought to the team, and it's been it's been positives. And I think that's because Jimmy Butler and Tosh Gibson can still play. But to some extent, it's, it's a knowledge of, of the system and it's a comfort with Tibbs that has made maybe more particularly uh, Tosh Gibson like kind of rejuvenate himself a bit. And, and maybe some of that, that comfort with Tibbs will translate for Derrick Rose. And I, don't, I by no means am suggesting it would bring him back to any sort of level that he was at when he was in Chicago pre-injuries. But maybe the Wolves get a better Derrick Rose than we've seen in Cleveland this year or in New York last year. But even at the end of the day, is a, a, an improved Derrick Rose better than Tyus Jones for this team? No. Probably not because you don't need it. This team doesn't need another isolation scorer. So, I don't know. Rose would really need to embrace not being a, a, a primary a primary score, a primary option on the team, uh, even with the second unit, he would be he'd be taken away from some of those guys who have been finding success. So, so yeah, I'm I'm, I'm reaching, but I'm, I'm I'm hoping, I'm hoping, and and leaning on the knowledge that Tom Thibodeau is smarter than me, and smarter than all of us, and hopefully he's not jaded by you know personal relationships and and by living in the past. But he Tibbs isn't a dumb guy. Let's let's hopefully have some faith in him. We don't. It hasn't happened yet. And if it has, uh, let's like let's keep let's let's holster the pitchforks until we see it totally burning down. If they sign him today, you're gonna have to come find me. You're gonna have to come help me. You're gonna have to drain me out of the gutter because I'm gonna be in a bad spot. I'm gonna be in a real bad spot because I would be all sorts of upset if they. There's, I mean, even the one thing that I was making argument for at the trade deadline was if the Wolves make a move, it should be for three point shooting, and he wouldn't even give him that. He he would not. <laughs> he really it. Uh, there is no upside. I know you you've been doing a great job ever the professional day more trying to paint this with a positive <laughs> light and find the silver lining. There is no upside to this signing. There's no upside to this signing. This will happen purely because he is a Chicago alum. Totally. So, so Derek Rose played <clears throat> 64 games last season, and he was healthy for those, you know, those 64 games. And 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 he played, and he made 13 three pointers last year. Oh dear 13. God, have mercy. Oh lord. Total. 13 out of 60. That's 21 percent from. From three. So if what you're looking for is a three-point shooter, you are not getting that in in Derrick Rose. And don't get carried away by the fact that he averaged 18 points a game because points per game is not a good reflection what was his player of efficiency? impact on the game. What was his player efficiency? Uh, I got to – give me – let me just a second to scroll here. What was it, like four? No, it's was, it was 17.0, so that's like – That's a lot like better than average. I thought. Oh, yeah, gosh. It, this year is eleven point six, which is oh dear, uh, which is is not good. And and even even when when Derrick Rose was a a healthy player playing on a very good 
defensive bowls team, he was he was still not a a positive in that way. Defense has never been you know, has never been something he was he, he was good at. And again, to your point, what does this team need? Three point shooting and defense. We just talked about how over the past month the Wolves are the second best offense in the NBA, and for the season as a whole, they're the third best offense in the NBA. They don't need another offensive player. They need a role player. They need like a Marcus George's hunt, like on steroids, and <laughs> that's that's not what that's not what Derrick Rose is. Uh, yeah, there could be You're... other buyout guys though. There could be other buyout guys that could come in. Um, there's one open roster spot now. We don't know if Shabazz is going to get bought out or what's going to you know what's going to happen there. So. There's definitely it's, it's, other guys that could be talked into. Yeah. There's other guys that could be talked into. I didn't. I never said the Wolves shouldn't yeah. sign anybody. But <laughs> right. do not touch Derrick Rose. Don't do it. I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm with you. That's. Oh lord. If it if were they, me, if it were me, I wouldn't. But uh, hey, like I said, if they sign him, please come find me and help me. Get, get me some help. Let's just remember, Tibbs is, Tibbs is smarter than us. Tibbs he is. is smarter than us. So he is, but he's also he, a human. He's also a human, and that's what scares me. Right, and he he just does have a him and him and Rose are are very close. There when uh when when Derek Rose was in town for when the Cavs were here, Tibbs and Rose met in in Tibbs's office for for like an hour, and I don't think that was necessarily specifically about joining the Wolves or anything. That would that it's just because he really likes time. them. It's just because he really yeah. likes them. He really likes him, and maybe he's concerned about him personally. I think Derrick Rose has clearly been going through some off-court issues in in his life. So I don't I don't know I don't know what Tibbs is trying to give him other than support. I just really hope it doesn't come at the cost of Ty Jones's minutes and Jeff Teague's minutes and the effectiveness of the offense. That's it for us. We we went a little <laughs> long today. We went a little long today, but we had a ton to cover. Lots of trade deadline stuff. Lots of of Timberwolves basketball that happened over the weekend. Uh, I cannot take any more Derrick Rose stuff. I will literally break down in class and and start yelling at people. Uh, it's it's not good for my health. It's not good for my health. I gotta watch my blood pressure. Uh, it's not good for me. Uh, but thank you, Dane, for coming on. As always, it, it was a it was a great show. It, it was. I just stay off Twitter this afternoon then because you might, you might lose it, Colton. I know. I know. I, I'm just, I'm just trying to keep it together. I'm just trying to do my homework. That's, that's me. This is the responsible Molesky. This is the responsible Colton Molesky. <laughs> and thank you all for listening to another Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.